Hi there, uh, it's Russ and it's a rainy Tuesday afternoon in Atlanta. Today I wanted to share a little bit with you about why. Why Wealth Care for Women, why the Women's Retirement Radio podcast. Many of you that know me are a little bit familiar with my background, uh, my family history, uh, the story of my mom and her dad from my divorce, which I'll touch on here in just a bit. But I wanted to share with you a little bit about my thinking and my motivation for the focus on serving women, particularly women in their 50s and 60s who are focused on retiring on their own terms. Let me start by sharing a little bit of research with you. So this is from a, a few years ago, and I think it was conducted by Fidelity, but Fidelity's research showed that 70% of women who become widows leave their husband's financial advisor. Let me say that again. 70% of women who become widows leave their husband's or their financial advisor. And there were two primary reasons for this behavior. Um, the first reason was there was a lack of communication. So it wasn't based on performance uh, or uh, technical skills or anything like that. It was primarily based on lack of communication or the second reason when there was communication, it was described as condescending, which I, I, I'm sure you're shaking your head. I can't understand how that happens, but I guess it does. Uh, and I've actually met some women uh, that have been introduced or referred to me who said that when they and uh, their husband would sit down with their former advisor, uh, their former advisor would only make eye contact with and talk with the husband, would basically ignore the wife, uh, not even acknowledge that she was in the room, let alone that she had a, a voice or a contribution to make to their financial planning, their discussions and their decision making. As I mentioned a moment ago, I've got a little bit of a personal story. So this has been, this will be more than 25 years ago. I was graduating college at the time. My mom and dad were going through a divorce. My mom had been a stay-at-home mom. She took care of my two younger brothers and I. I was out of the house at college at this point. My dad had been very successful. Uh, he was a career financial services uh, professional, had done very, very well for our family. We had a what I consider a, a comfortable financial upbringing. And I, I had a great childhood. I have nothing but fond memories of, you know, my family and my mom and my dad growing up. But ultimately, uh, they went through a divorce. And before it was all said and done, my mom took my dad back to court one or two times to ask for more money. Um, this is after she was already awarded a, a large amount of assets a significant amount of spousal support or alimony, as well as child support for my two younger brothers. Fast forward to today, my mom is in her mid 70s. She lives uh, alone, uh, north, well north of Atlanta. Uh, and um, in addition to having declared uh, having declared bankruptcy a few years back, she is living almost solely on social security and a pension uh, that she was awarded uh, as part of the divorce. It was part of my dad's pension. So I've seen 
firsthand a situation that have that could have turned out very differently, um, that could have had a very different outcome. And over my 25 years as a financial advisor, working with families and individuals um, through introductions and referrals I've received, I have found I found myself blessed with more and more opportunities to work with women that are either on their own or that are going through a transition like divorce or the loss of a husband or even happily married couples uh, where um, they're getting ready for retirement or another major something or other is going on in their life. Uh, and, and we can address maybe some of those scenarios here in a moment. So it's, it's become my mission over the last five or six years. And, and this actually predates that a little bit, but over the last five or six years, I created Wealth Care for Women. Uh, I have become more and more focused on meeting women where they are, uh, trying to first listen and understand, and then uh, educate and explain. Um, uh, there's no mansplaining going on here. Uh, I tried to take a very uh, thoughtful and personalized approach to get to know the women and their families that I have uh, had the opportunity to work with over the years. So I'm not delivering any kind of cookie cutter advice or trying to uh, fit everyone into a, a kind of a black box or a pigeonhole as far as products or solutions. In fact, um, I, I try to deliver very personalized and unique advice based on a person's values and their goals and their priorities uh, based on the things and the people that are important to them. But having said all that, we still find that people in general, uh, at least in the United States, and women specifically, face a lot of challenges when it comes to planning for the financial future and thinking about retirement. Uh, there's, you know, sort of the obvious things, the, the so-called elephants in the room, like the uh, wage gap, where uh, it's widely reported that uh, women are paid sometimes a lot less than their counterpart males for similar job roles. Women also uh, can be out of the workforce for weeks to months to years uh, to uh, have children and raise them in some cases. Um, and beyond, beyond having and, ra and raising their own children, a lot of them find themselves in the role of caregiver for maybe their aging parents. And that can take them away from work or it can be disruptive to their kind of their normal routine or their, their ability to consistently earn and save money. I wrote an article a few years ago and, and updated it just this past year about the three major threats to women's retirement. And clearly this is not a comprehensive article, but among the myriad challenges that women face, uh, they live longer. Uh, they have longer life expectancies than, than men, uh, generally speaking. So combined with the fact that maybe they earn less, they're, uh, they're not uh, as equally capable to earn and save money, um, that combined with the fact that they're generally going to live longer, uh, that, that can be a, a huge challenge in and of itself. But then compound that with the fact that maybe they're going to be in a position where they uh, either want to or frankly need to 
help care for aging parents because their their aging parents are living longer, and so they're going to be faced with uh, physical and cognitive challenges that are going to make their lives more complicated. And so while they're living longer, they might not be healthy, and so they might need the uh, support and care, physical, financial care, or otherwise from their uh, from their adult children. And a lot of times that falls, that, that kind of nurturing caregiver role falls to adult daughters more so, not always, but more so than it fall, falls to adult sons. And then finally, I also talk to a lot of women that are in the position of needing to support adult children. Um, and that could be as simple as their child graduates from college and moves back home for a year or two while they you know, look for work or while they can save money or while they can start to pay down their student, student loan debt. Um, but there are costs clearly that are associated with that. And so um, whether it's something as straightforward as that or whether it's more of an extended uh, situation or form of support for an adult child or adult children, it can be, it can be very disruptive to a woman's financial planning, uh, her retirement planning, her ability to plan for her own future. Because again, a lot of these women, um, as, as much as we have all heard the analogy of put the oxygen mask on yourself first before you help others, a lot of women uh, that I meet, my mom, I would, I would include my mom in this group, um, are so focused on helping others that oftentimes they neglect their own well-being, their own financial sustainability and um, and situation. And so it's this combination of or perfect storm of contributing factors that can really stack the deck against women who are bright and who have the best intentions to plan for themselves, but their intentions can often get detoured or frankly, sidelined because of other situations they might, they might find themselves in. There is a, uh, there was a November 19, 2019 study from the Transamerica Center for Retirement Studies. Um, it was called 19 Facts About Women's Retirement Outlook. And I will, uh, I'll share a link to this study in the show notes for this episode. Um, but I just wanted to cover, I'm not going to go through all 19, but I wanted to cover a couple of the highlights. So um, number one, only 12% of women are very confident that they will be able to retire with a comfortable lifestyle. 55% of women expect to retire after age 65 or do not plan to retire. 54% of women plan to work after they retire, either full-time or part-time. And the list goes on. Uh, again, I will share a link to this, um, this research report in the show notes for this, uh, for this episode. But um, I think the combination of my personal experience um, with my own mother, uh, my experience working with women that have dealt with divorce or have become widows or uh, even happily married uh, women that are in healthy relationships, but have experienced um, just inexcusable behavior from other so-called professional financial advisors that just leaves me shaking my head and, and wondering how this, you know, how this continues. But uh, again, I guess it does. And, and let me say before I proceed, like, 
I'm a big believer in personal responsibility. I don't, I don't think that a lot of the challenges that I've outlined um, so far are the responsibility of the government or the responsibility of society to fix. I think there are maybe some policies and things that can be done to better level the playing field, but ultimately I believe in personal responsibility. And, and frankly, most of the women and other clients that I work with believe that their financial future, you know, ultimately falls to falls in their lap. They, they know that they need to be responsible and, and take action to give themselves the best chance at a positive outcome and a positive financial future. But let me also say that not everything about women and money is, is dark and gloomy. Um, in fact, women in many cases are better equipped, generally speaking, than men in dealing with money, um, in saving, uh, in investing. Uh, there is ample research, I will link to some of it in the, in the show notes, but there's ample research that has shown over time that women typically perform better when compared to their male counterparts when it comes to investing. They typically trade less, so there's less activity, and their actual performance results over time are generally better as well. Uh, women tend to be more patient. Uh, they generally tend to bring less ego to their financial decision-making and planning. I've also found that women are not afraid to say, I don't know. Uh, when they don't know the answer to something, uh, they, rather than, you know, moving along or ignoring it or changing the subject, they're willing to ask for help in many cases. They're willing to admit when they don't know something. Um, women do their homework. Um, they're willing to put in the time to educate themselves, to give, their, give themselves the opportunity to make better informed decisions. And generally speaking, women are more conservative. Uh, so they, and, and my interpretation of women perhaps being generally more conservative is that they typically bring a longer term perspective to their financial decisions. They're not necessarily looking, you know, looking for quick fixes or looking for home runs. They're willing to be more of a, um, a tortoise maybe than a hare. Um, an analogy that I like to use, and, and I'm, I'm raising my hand um, when I tell this story, think about, um, think about men and asking for directions. Um, and, and again, I'm guilty of this, but a lot of men, um, if they're driving somewhere, and this is maybe before the age of smartphones and Google Maps and GPS, but if they're driving somewhere and they got turned around, um, a lot of women would say, well, hey, why don't we stop and ask someone for directions? And um, many men would say, oh, we'll figure it out. Um, I, I think that's a pretty good analogy for what I've often experienced when it comes to financial decision making men are often just willing to kind of put their head down and, you know, push forward um, thinking they'll figure it out. Whereas women are willing to be more patient, more thoughtful, ask questions, admit that maybe they don't have all the answers or they're, they're willing to ask questions. And so I think that while 
women have a lot of challenges when it comes to their money, when it comes to their financial planning, when it comes to retirement, when it comes to caring for themselves, as well as their children, their parents, and others. They also have a lot of natural advantages that if properly channeled and harnessed can really give them a leg up and really set them on the right path for a comfortable and confident financial future. And that's, you know, ultimately that's what it's all about. Um, I can't see the future uh, any better than anyone else can. Um, and so we're faced with the challenge of planning for an, an unknown, unseeable future while still trying to enjoy our lives along the way. I mean, we can be we can be so well prepared for the future that we could unintentionally be sacrificing our lifestyles today. An example is we could be oversaving or taking more risk than we need to or working longer than we need to uh, or making other sacrifices, either conscious or unconscious. The flip side of that is we could find ourselves living so much for today that we're not preparing for what may come tomorrow. And, and when I say tomorrow, I'm using quotes, and that could be five months, five years, or 50 years down the road. But I believe there needs to be a healthy balance between being well prepared for an uncertain future while living a great life each and every step along your unique journey. And, and that's where I spend virtually all of my time and energy in my relationships with my clients. Um, it's about financial planning. Investing is part of it, but it's it's a small part. It's really about figuring out what's important to you, figuring out what your values, your goals, your priorities are, and using those as context for building a holistic financial plan that looks at the entirety of your life and gives you a framework to make not perfect, but to make more informed decisions. And let's say we go through that, that process and create a, a, a financial planning framework for you and come up with the best laid plans based on what we know today. Well, tomorrow or next week or next month, that's all gonna change because things will happen in your life, things will happen in the economy or with tax legislation or with the investment markets or on the other side of the world, um, right now the news is dominated by the coronavirus uh, that seems to have originated in a province in China. So there's a whole host of things that not only can but will impact your financial lifestyle planning in the future. And so having this framework in place gives us a, a tool that we can use to accommodate new information as we get it make more informed decisions based on what we know at that point in time and continue to do that on an ongoing basis going forward. So it's this process and delivering it to women in a personal, conversational, non-dogmatic approach that has really become my mission. And whether you are a uh, a single woman that's never been married, whether you're divorced or widowed, whether you're happily married. It's important to me to help women get the right advice based on where they are and where they want to go in their lives. And sadly, there are many of my colleagues in the financial advice industry that are 
seem to be only interested in selling you a product and, and earning a commission and moving on, or they seem to be um, only willing and able to communicate to men and they for some reason find it challenging or maybe impossible to relate to, let alone communicate with uh, and listen to uh, women in the manner that I've found that women prefer, which is let's have a conversation. Let's, let's not bring an agenda to the table and let's, let's talk through things and we'll, we'll reach the decisions as we come to them. So that's all for today. I, hopefully I've given you some things to think about. Um, as I mentioned, be sure to check out the show notes. I will share copies of some of the research and um, some of the other data that I mentioned in the episode today. Uh, before I go, however, uh, let me share some um, disclosure information with you. You should consult a financial advisor familiar with the specific circumstances of your unique financial situation before making any financial decisions. Nothing in this broadcast constitutes a solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities. Any mentioned rates of return are historical or hypothetical in nature and are not a guarantee of future returns. I'm a financial advisor, a certified divorce financial analyst, and an investment advisor representative of Wealthcare Capital Management, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor based in Richmond, Virginia. The views discussed in this podcast are my own and may not be consistent with or represent those of Wealthcare Capital Management. So that's all for today. I hope you found this helpful. Uh, I invite you to listen, subscribe, pass this along to others, and I look forward to catching up with you on the next episode of the Women's Retirement Radio Podcast. Thanks. <music>